With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. She was warned. She was given an explanation. Nevertheless, she persisted. Hello and welcome to The Persistence. This is She Who Persisted, the Nazi podcast. My name is Beatrice and I'm here with... Elizabeth. And today we are going to talk about the child-free movement. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to talk about it as a movement because it's not like an official movement. Mm -hmm. But yes, the child-free movement. But yes... <laughs> but yes, it's kind of a movement. <laughs> I mean, I would say the last thing we want to do is play some like bullshit game where we say that women who have children are sheep playing into the patriarchy. Mm -hmm. There are women who choose to have kids. There are women who choose not to have children. And neither decision makes you a better woman or less of a woman or oh, better feminist or a better feminist or a yeah. worse feminist or whatever. The problem with so many articles and so much of the rhetoric surrounding this issue is that it really often takes one side or the other without considering mm -hmm. really a measured, logical choice that women on both sides have taken. Yeah. And it's a super complicated issue. So we're not going to be able to come to some resolution on it today, but uh, <laughs> hopefully... As usual, we're not coming to... We're not coming up with any solutions or resolutions for anything. We're just kind of bitching about stuff. We're just bitching about shit and telling you all the things that are fucked up about this world so that you're sad enough to eat all the chocolate. Exactly. So we just want to give you a reason to eat chocolate. Yeah. That's what we do. <laughs> That's what we're here for. Hopefully we can address some of the issues related to those who choose to remain child-free. And we're not going to call it childless. Uh, we'll, mm -hmm. We call it child-free. That's the way that the movement or the, the people who uh, identify with this movement refer to themselves. Uh, and because we're all about like self-identification, that's how we will refer to it. So because we're all about like self-identification, uh, I am child-free. Beatrice, are you child-free? I am so child-free. <laughs> I'm the freest of any child anyone could ever be. <laughs> um, and and why did you, why do you, is this a decision that you're making for your entire life? Like you don't want to have kids, period? Or is this something that you just think is a temporary thing and you're going to eventually decide to have children? To be honest, I don't think it ever really was a decision I made. It just for me, like already when I was 12 year years old, the idea of having a child was just never a part of what I wanted in life. You know, it's just not even... I, an idea that I have, that I could have mm -hmm. a child. To me, it's just, it seems absurd to me to have a child. I don't want a child. I never wanted a child. So I don't know if it really was like a conscious decision, but it was always clear to me that I don't want to have children. Yeah. I mean, I think I probably, as a kid, was open to the idea of having kids. I babysat uh, like you do in America when you're a 
you know, preteen and you need $2 an hour uh, in money, uh, which I think is, it's crazy that people entrust their children to like yes. 12 to 15 year olds and pay them. Well, at the time it was like two bucks an hour. Now it's much more expensive than that. But well, let alone trust, no matter who it is, trust someone with th- that your child that you only pay $2 an hour. Oh, agreed. <laughs> I mean, agreed. Well, well, I mean, hello. Uh, Pink, pink collar jobs, poor labor practices, yeah, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not get into it. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, so I took care of kids when I was when I was a kid, when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. But I was never, I never really related to small children. I think they're weird. Mm-hmm. I don't get mm-hmm. it. Uh, so when I when I got married, my husband and I really talked about it, and neither of us mm-hmm. really wanted kids, so we just chose not to. And then I got like a ton mm-hmm. of grief from my mother, like, "When are you going to mm-hmm. have kids?" And my mother's friend saying, when are you going to have kids? And I just said, it's not going to happen. Like, stop asking Mm -hmm. me because we don't want kids. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, so this is an issue that is really personal. Yeah, to me too. I mean, I think my parents always knew that I don't want to have kids because I always told them already when I was a kid myself. And I feel very similarly about it as you do, that I don't have any maternal feelings towards small children. I don't get it. I used to work as a teacher for some time and I taught sometimes children, sometimes teenagers, and I could relate to the teenagers. So I enjoyed teaching them, but with the children, I just, I also, they didn't like me a lot because they, of course, they noticed that it's not like my favorite thing to do is te- like teaching them is not my favorite thing to do. Um, so I don't know. It's just not a good, it's not a good fit. <laughs> Yeah, sure. I mean, I have very maternal instincts toward uh, cats and dogs, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> but yes. not so much human children. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'm the same. Yeah. So there was a 2013 Time Magazine article that came out about the child-free life. And in fact, they, they featured a piece on the front page of the magazine with a young-looking kind of millennial couple who looked carefree and childless, basically the image of perfection. They're like laying there. I think it looks like they're laying on a beach, uh, you know, mm-hmm. relaxing. And this article led to a ton of blog posts, articles, and think pieces all over the internet claiming that they knew what was best for women. Christian mm-hmm. women said that women who didn't want kids were selfish. Child-free of women. Course, yes. Yeah, of course, right? <laughs> Child-free uh, women said that people with kids were selfish. The whole thing devolved into this like disaster. Mm-hmm. The most measured piece about it from that kind of time period was by Eve. Vater, V-A-W-T-E-R, on Mommy-ish, who, while wishing Mm -hmm. that smart people would have kids so that her kids would have someone to discuss books with, which, Hmm. you know, we all want smart kids, smart people, smart children in the world that grow up to be intelligent adults who, yeah. Anyway, she stated the following, quote, no one should ever feel bad or less than for not having kids. It's no one else's business. I love being a parent, but I totally respect women and men who decide not to be. Which is a refreshing view to hear. And if only we had more voices like this in the debate, perhaps we would be a more civil, have more civil discourse around Mm. this issue. Apparently, it's impossible to so many people to just let other people do whatever the fuck they want as long as it does not affect themselves. Yes. (laughs) Especially when it comes to having children or not having children. It seems to be 
something that everybody everybody seems to have an opinion on what everybody else does. Absolutely. And I, what I thought was so interesting about this Time Magazine article is that there was very little mention of the fact that it has been a movement or at least uh, women have been choosing not to have yeah. children for some time. So there was a throwaway sentence about how the, quote, biological imperative to have children was called into question by women starting in the 70s. Hello, second wave mm-hmm. feminism. Um, and yeah. they, they give one example of a woman currently in her 50s who chose not to have kids. But these are really the exceptions in the article that time uses mm-hmm. to prove that millennials are ruining the future. Mm-hmm. As, as they do. Well, yeah, right. I mean, they're also eating too many avocados. That's also a problem. <laughs> Every article these days is talking about how millennials are like, they're ruining everything they're disrupting everything they're just the worst people but it's not new nothing they're doing is new (laughs) no no (laughs) anyway the problem with this is that i don't actually think that millennials are the worst people i'm being no just no no i don't either i'm not a millennial but i don't think that they're the worst but i what i will say just the second worst well you know behind baby after the baby boomers yeah yeah But the fact is, this isn't an invention of millennials who are fighting against their like boomer and early Gen X parents. The choice not to have kids is actually actually a really important part of the women's rights movement. And if you want to go back and listen to our our, uh, episode about that, you can hear all about Mm. how choice and determination of your own body are really important parts of, of the women's rights movement. Yes. But there was more recently an article, a really good article uh, from May 2017 in The Atlantic by Olga Kazan entitled How People Decide Whether to Have Children. And in it, she goes through some really recent statistics and studies about decisions surrounding the issue, as well as her own personal story of ambivalence related Mm -hmm. to having a child. Um, So Mm -hmm. this is something that, you know, what I think is so fascinating (laughs) is Mm -hmm. we we have had women who have chosen not to have children forever. Yes. We used to call them spinsters. Mm. <laughs> they became nuns. Mm. Uh, there are any number of, you know, the oftentimes school teachers, female school yeah. teachers, weren't allowed to have families, weren't allowed yeah. to have children. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. They were school teachers for so long that they be- they got into the point of their lives where their fertility decreased and then they weren't able to have children and mm-hmm. they didn't have families. So this is not a new thing. No, not at all. And there's also a problem that I have with this idea that it's a movement that started in the 1970s because yeah. there have been women without children that, and women that chose not to have children since yes. forever. I mean, it's easier nowadays to not have children with the means of contraceptions that we have at our disposal. But women who don't want to have children and didn't have children have been around since forever. <laughs> oh, that's absolutely true. It may be that in the 70s, and we'll talk about this a little later, but in the 70s, we had more options. There were more people talking about this. Choosing mm. not to have children and choosing to have a career was became, certainly became possible. Yeah. But you're right. It's not, it's not something that's new. It's just that, you know, maybe we have more people who are interested in it now yeah yeah and and it's easier it's easier to not have children than it was oh my god because we have the pill and we have condoms and we have all the things well it's easier but it's it's harder in some respects because you feel like you have to justify your decision yeah of course yeah 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 yeah, yeah all the time no matter what you do it can't just be i don't want to have children it has to be i hate children so therefore i don't want to have children or no. I, I want to have a career, so I don't want to have children. And, you know, the two are not mutually exclusive, but... Yeah, 
it's still something that's considered weird. And I think one of the reasons why that is, because it's it's completely fine for a man to say, I don't want children. Oh, yeah. Because it's also acceptable for men, if he has children, to not care as much for the child as the woman has to. Well, of course. Although they have done some studies that have shown that men's test, like as as men have children, their testosterone decreases and they become more nurturing. Yeah. I didn't hear Which that, I think is... yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's really interesting. Uh, they've done some biological studies that show that men's testosterone decreases when they're like around children, mm. particularly their own children, yeah. and that that leads to them being more nurturing mm. parents. Not all, yeah. of them, obviously. This is not a universal. No, but I, I I I'm talking about like societal expectations and like the social sure. roles that we're all kind of socialized into, and there's a clear, I think, connection between femininity as a construct and motherhood. Yes, definitely. So that uh, motherhood is kind of perceived as the highest form of femininity or the most fulfilled form of femininity. Yeah. And in my research, actually, one of the first pages I came across <laughs> is a page called, and it's apparently a very Christian page, it's called AboveRubies.org. I don't know if you've ever, I don't know if you've ever came across it. I don't go to but, websites like that. Mm, Not that I don't I look at Christian stuff, but I don't go to websites mm. that explicitly talk about like pregnancy and motherhood, except to research. Well, I this. just I just typed in femininity motherhood into Google, and I didn't know what that website was, and so I just clicked on it. And then what I read was this, and I'm going to read it to you, so you don't have to click on it yourselves because we don't want to send traffic there. <laughs> okay, so. It started with the sentence, one of the most beautiful aspects of femininity is pregnancy. Blah. Mm -hmm. There are only two kinds of human beings in this world. A man without a womb, the male. And a man with a womb, the woman. What now? What? Wait, hold well, on. Well, a hold man... On. <laughs> They're very trans-inclusive, apparently. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Sure. All right. Um, the womb is distinctive of God's female creation. To embrace our womb is to embrace who we are. To reject the function of the womb is to not only reject the true essence of femaleness. So now we're talking about femaleness, not femininity. Yeah, sure. But to reject our creator who designed us. Oh, there's so much. There's so mm. much here. Mm. So much. Um, it's 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 a tra a treasure. Oh wow. Okay. But aside mm. from the like weird man with a like, I mean, not that's not weird. I man with the womb, totally fine. You know, mm. if you're trans mm -hmm. and you, I, I, yeah, you don't have to have be female body. That's totally fine. But uh the language there is really odd, but it's not surprising. Mm. Um, when I did no. my pre-marriage classes, I, so I got married in the Catholic Church. When we did our pre-marriage classes, it was very clear that the purpose of man and woman uh, coming together, the purpose of marriage is to is to support you know a family. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it makes per I mean, from a religious perspective, it makes perfect sense. Uh, but I think that we can also choose not to have children. And maybe not everybody and has this like biological imperative to have children. The reason why I'm reading this is that I think it kind of, in a very condensed and extreme way, kind of um, sums up a lot of things that people actually think about like femininity. I think many people think that it's kind of, that motherhood is 
a part of femininity. Yes. And, um, and it actually goes on like, with to reject motherhood is to reject the transcendence of our femaleness. So we, yeah. Motherhood is also part of our innate femininity. Motherhood is primal, powerful, protecting and permeating, not only in our children's lives, but also in society. Motherhood is not something we perform at a certain time of our life. Motherhood is who we are as a female. Hello, performative gender roles. Yeah. And then also the desire to nurture is divinely inherent in every woman, even those who seemingly reject motherhood. Those who refuse to wait for it. Now that's your part and my part. Those who refuse to embrace children into their arms will usually have a cat or a dog, which they nurture like a human baby. Well, that's true. That's true. But you know what? There's also like a whole strain of complaints online about people who are mothers who, or mm. parents generally, who complain about those of us who have pets who call them our fur babies and say, they're not real babies. You don't understand. Yes, I read about that this week. <laughs> oh, God. You know what? I think that just maybe nurturing and caring for someone is just a human trait, maybe not just a female trait. And maybe we all want to do that sometimes. You mean <laughs> men and women can both have empathy mm. and nurture people? I mean, man with wombs and man without wombs. Oh, shit. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I mean, yeah. this is the thing. Like, this, that whole thing from this website is all about how we as a society have become trained, this like performative aspect of gender, of, you know, what is woman, what is female, what is male that we have bought into as a society that, yes, you know, women yes. have to wear dresses and earrings and makeup. You know, when the last time I freaking wore makeup was, I can't even tell you because I don't wear makeup because it's too much of a pain in the ass. And it's not because I'm it for me. It's not because I'm rejecting like myself as a woman. It's because no, I have other things to do in the morning, like sleep in. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And it doesn't make me any less of a woman because I'm not wearing Mm -hmm. makeup. Just like it doesn't make me any less of a woman because I don't have, because I choose not to have children. Yeah, of course. Yes. I agree. I absolutely agree. Of course. Um, And I think there's this, and I think that, you know, part of the construction of femininity is that we link it so closely with motherhood. And I think that's also one of the reasons why women who choose not to have children sometimes are viewed as not really feminine enough or that they kind of reject something that is inherently part of their gender. Sure. And I also have a quote from a more sensible webpage, which is called The Feminist Wire. I mean, it's not... I just wanted to say it's not it's not difficult to find a more sensible web page than this. No, it is not. But on the other hand, there's so much stuff online that I'm not even I don't even dare to say that because who knows what else I would find if I would look further than page three in Google. So okay. <laughs> so the feminist wire in an op-ed about um, detaching motherhood from femininity stated, quote. Women make a multitude of decisions that impact the course of their lives. Some of these decisions are specific to marriage or partnership, career, education, and children. It seems, however, that out of all the decisions that a woman makes in her lifetime, there is no choice that comes to define her as more naturally feminine than her decision to become a mother. The concept of motherhood is so tightly associated with female identity that we are unable to conceive of a woman who has children and regrets doing so, or who chooses not to have children at all. 
there is something about choosing not to become a mother that is tied to this ideology of motherhood as a feminine imperative. It's as if choosing not to have children is choosing not to be feminine. And a woman choosing not to be feminine is a tough pill for people to swallow. I'm kind of reminded of, well, there's a lot of things that this reminds me of. Mm. Uh, I, when when it talked about the naturally feminine and the mm. and this, I, I I immediately had that picture of Beyonce, pregnant Beyonce, as like the Virgin Mary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which uh, mm. I mean, we have this real glorification of motherhood in the United States, and that mm. that image really plays into that, but also in a really kind of subversive way as well. Um, mm. But the other thing I'm reminded of is butch lesbians. Butch lesbians mm-hmm. are some of the most transgressive people in society because they claim their femininity. They refuse yeah. to let you like misgender that, you know, they say that like they say if, if they're misgendered and call, they called sir. I have a number of um, butch lesbian friends from college who, you know, they have been misgendered over and over again and they, they refuse to be misgendered yeah. and they continually reinstantiate their genders like no it's she it's her mm-hmm. but they also choose not to like like have this ultimate feminine uh presentation of their yeah. gender um and i and think that's really uh i think it's very transgressive in society today yes. particularly when what with with issues of like femininity mm-hmm. and i think it's also there's so much power in instead of just refusing to use a label reclaiming that label and using it as you want to use it and making it mean what you want it to mean yes and forcing people to identify you as what you want to be identified Mm -hmm. as and like totally subverting social expectations of what that is yeah 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 so one thing i also thought about um because we also talked about our reasons for not having children earlier Mm -hmm. in the episode I thought about our episode on tocophobia that we did a while ago. Absolutely, You should also go back and listen to that because we also talk about how freaky uh, being pregnant is, (laughs) how terrifying it is actually. Think alien, like the thing like uh, bursting out of your body. Yeah. So I like one of the reasons why I don't want to have children is that it's completely inconceivable, ha 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 ha, for me (laughs) to think of like my body being invaded in that way and I use such negative language because that's what it feels like to me you know I don't want to be a host to (laughs) a child no really yeah no I'm saying it the way that I'm saying it because this is how I feel about it it's not you know I'm not trying I'm not want I don't want to be disrespectful to people who who, to women who are pregnant or want to be pregnant or have children yeah but this is what it feels like to me and one thing that's also that also kind of ties in with what I said about femininity and motherhood or motherhood being kind of the epitome of femininity um, is that it's not just motherhood that is romanticized and glorified it's also pregnancy itself oh yes Uh, the pregnant body as kind of the highest like the highest form of female embodiment or something like that you know you know what's so Um, weird about that is that it's like the one time in your life that you're allowed to eat whatever the the heck you want and and get fat but then you're immediately expected to get back to like being thin and whatever yes 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 gross and actually narcissists we did a whole we did a whole bunch of episodes about pregnancy and childbirth and tocophobia and 
also a post postnatal depression and all of that. So if you're interested, really go back to that. It's, it, it was really an interesting series. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the pregnant being pregnant is usually in, in pop culture and mainstream media constructed as something beautiful and romantic, but it rarely is for women who've gone through pregnancy. They usually say that it's a, like, a painful process, <laughs> especially yeah. childbirth birth at the end of it is horrifyingly painful. And there's so many things that happen to your body that are unpleasant at the very least that it's something that we probably shouldn't romanticize in the way that we do. Not only that, but, you know, there are a lot of people that once they have kids, I mean, not just postpartum depression, but but they just like their kids can be kind of assholes and they don't really mm. like their kids. And, you know, as even mm. as a teenager, like I was, I was an asshole as a teenager. I'll, I'll give you that. I was a great little kid, asshole teenager. Um, but mm. you're, st- you're stuck. You like, it's not a decision to be taken lightly to have ki- kids. You know, this is something that mm. you are going to have uh, and have to take care of for 18 plus years. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and if you end up yeah. not actually liking your kid and your kid doesn't like you, like, Good luck. Yeah. I mean, you can divorce your husband. You can't divorce your child, you know. Your children can divorce you, though. Yeah, which is also rough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah not, not just that you don't like your child as a person, but what also can happen is that you have a child and then you realize maybe that's just not as fulfilling as you thought it would be. Sure. And that's something that a lot of friends tell me, particularly because they expected it to be this extremely romantic thing, you know. And then they were basically stuck with a child, had to do most of the housework and the child caring work because usually, um, you know, in those cases, it was the woman who stayed at home and the guys had to work even more to kind of earn enough money for the now three uh, people family. Sure. Babies are expensive. <laughs> expensive. And then, you know, those women, my friends, they are like all intelligent, cool, usually very, you know, active women. And then they were like in the house with a child and had to change diapers and, you know, clean up baby vomit all day. And it's just, Mm -mm. I'm sure there are nice things about being a mother, but I think a lot of young mothers struggle with the fact that it's something that is so romanticized that the that they're so disappointed when it actually happens. And then the disappointment is also something that you can't really talk about. Oh, and there's so much guilt associated with it too. I mean, you mm. know, if you if you don't talk about how what a beautiful miracle the whole thing was, mm. then you're a bad <laughs> Bundle person, of toy. Right? Yeah. Through that. Yeah, no. I yeah. mean and 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 all of these things are why are, are part of why a lot of women choose not to have children yeah. because they they have seen this happen with their friends. They have experienced this through, th- you know, vicariously through friends who have had children in the media. Um, and I think we're, we're being able to talk about this more. You know, people yeah. are admitting that this is a problem, that, that not everybody, you know, is maybe cut out to have kids and that it's not actually this super easy thing where you can just you know let the kids run around and And let your hair flow in the wind yeah and be happy yeah and you know the thing is that's again uh not being perfectly happy with a child is something that's again much more acceptable for men than it is for women as a man i can bitch about how annoyed i am that i now have to care for a child every now and then if you do that as a woman that's much that's considered much worse yeah 
because it, because again you kind of kind of goes to show that it is um perceived as kind of rejecting something innately feminine yes. or something that is in like char- a character imminent thing you know yeah. yeah absolutely which it isn't for 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 men yeah and then I also found a BBC article that uh, stated that a study in Canada actually found that roughly half of all women who were childless in their 40s actually chose to be that from a very early age. Hmm. And then also many of them didn't say so because of the social pressure they would get um, if they mentioned a preference for staying childless. Yes. And that also reminded me of the sentence that people throw at me all the time, which is, you want children, you'll see. Ugh, gross. One day... One day we want children. And people said that to me when I was 12. <laughs> and people say, said that to me when I was 20. <laughs> and people say that to me now that I'm 30. Although now that I'm 30, it's usually, well, it's, it's more like, are you sure that one day um, there won't be a point in your life where you regret not having children, you know, because they realize that I'm kind of getting too old. Well, yeah, I mean, that biological clock is ticking oh god can you hear it i mean it's so loud it's uh last not last year a couple years ago i started having perimenopausal symptoms and perimenopause is like okay so here's the thing they don't tell you about menopause (laughs) okay you can have perimenopause for years before actual menopause happens and it's basically all the symptoms oh my gosh it's like it's like all the symptoms of menopause but you still have your period uh oh, fuck no yeah. so you have hot you have hot flashes you have weight gain you have um like the hot flashes are probably the worst part my period was coming every two weeks um and it was a disaster so mm-hmm. i started having these symptoms and and so they put me on the pill to to help like at least regulate my periods and then mm-hmm. i went off the pill a year later and it had like magically resolved itself there was like some sort of hormone thing going on with my body but at the time mm-hmm. i thought to myself i was like well if this is the beginning of the end like i need to <laughs> i need to figure out if i want to have kids or not like i need to the, like the decision has to be made so like mm-hmm. i talked to my husband about it and i was like so if this is perimenopause like we need to make a decision now. And if we're going to have like kids, we need to like, if this is something we want to do, like TikTok, like mm-hmm. uh, my like ovaries are shriveling up. And, um, <laughs> and we did, I mean, we made a decision. We were like, actually, no, like we don't want to have kids. Like this is like, mm-hmm. if, if my uterus like falls out of my body, like totally fine. <laughs> well, I mean, it's probably not totally fine. If you, well, falls okay, out of your body. Fine. it doesn't sound very pleasant. No. Out. <laughs> But at the same no. time, you know, we had to have that conversation because, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's all a theoretical conversation until you hit menopause. And then it's like, well, OK, this isn't ever going to happen. So it's either now. Or now. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But yes, we, yeah. we still chose not to. We're good. Well, yeah. As I said, I can't imagine having a child now any more than I could when I was 15. Yeah. So. yeah, sure. And also there's this aspect of I feel like I'm still a child. You know, how could I? You're 30, Beatrice. (laughs) But I don't know if there's ever a point in anyone's life where they feel grown up. Do you feel like an adult? Um, I mean, I'm 41. Uh, I... I kind of felt more like an adult when I had a regular nine to five job than I do now. Yeah. Um, 
as a professor. <laughs> uh, but mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm also around 18 year olds on a day to day basis. So I think that keeps mm-hmm. me feeling young, although I feel really old some days. So yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't feel as old as I felt my parents were when they were in their forties. Yes, exactly. But yeah. I also think having seen friends of mine, so I, of my high school friends, I was just thinking about this. I have seven, seven really close friends from high school. Um, mm-hmm. of the seven of us, only two have kids. <laughs> um, yeah. and I feel like it ages people like the, the sleeplessness, the, worrying yeah. about the you know, constantly being worried about the kids. I, I feel like it forces you to age more than someone who doesn't have to have kids. I mean, I have worries mm-hmm. too, but they're not about, you know, whether someone's going to kidnap and murder my child. So, well, I, yeah, <laughs> I don't worry about someone's kid, someone kidnapping and murdering my cat. No, exactly. I mean, my dog I was pretty cute when he was still alive, so someone might have kidnapped him, but not killed him because he was freaking adorable. I mean, Moni's quite a bitch, and she would probably scratch him quite a lot, so that's very unlikely. It's very unlikely, although she's pretty yeah, sweet sure. also. So maybe I shouldn't <laughs> worry. I don't know. Um, so a study by uh, Julia McWillan also uh, tried to find out what the reasons were for women not to talk about their decisions not to have children. Um, And she said that highly religious women, they did not perceive as many social messages stressing the importance of having children compared with less religious women, which is interesting. Well, I mean, of course they don't perceive it because it's a part of who they are already. I mean, that could be an explanation. One thing that I thought about, but maybe that's the wrong explanation, um, is that um, having children is considered a part of their like a natural part of any everyone's life so because of that if you don't have a child people just think that you will have a child yeah I mean the expectation is that you're going to have a child anyway because you're part of this community of believers who think that that having a child is is normal um and have, have normalized that yeah, so people maybe don't question it because they think that any that you will have a child in the end anyway. Sure. So it's just maybe later or something. Yeah, that's what I thought, but it may, might be wrong. And your explanation sounds much more logical than mine. Yeah, and Hispanic and African American women were least likely to be voluntarily child free, but were most likely to have biomedical fertility barriers, i.e., infertility. Also, by the way, this is a study that uh, was conducted in America. So this is why I'm talking about African-American women. And then the average age of women who were child-free by choice was about four years older than the average age of those with biomedical barriers and about six years older than childless women with situational barriers, such as financial concerns, education or job demands or lack of a partner (laughs) so here's the deal though i mean my sister has a friend actually i know several women who chose to have a child as a single Mm -hmm. person you know Mm -hmm. they were they had relatively fulfilling careers they were in their maybe 30s and they chose to do in vitro with a sperm donor and were raising a child by themselves I mean, don't let the lack of a partner keep you from having a child if that's what you want. I'm not sure how the situation is in Austria, but I think there is something about, I don't know if it's adoption or in vitro fertilization. I think it's adoption where single women are not allowed to do it. 
but I'm not sure about that, it. But that I think there was. I think, I think there was. I think it. I think it's different now, but just so something in the back of my mind. I'm not sure about it now. Mm-hmm. We cut that out. Okay. So, um, family income was highest among voluntarily childful women, and lowest among women with fertility issues. Okay, that's interesting. Which is also interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the highest income for voluntarily childful women makes sense because very often, as we will see later on, uh, women who choose not to have children, like I think the they tend to have higher education. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's actually something that when when we talk about poverty in the developing world, uh, one of the Mm -hmm. things that they bring up and the reason that the education of women is so important is because the more educated women are in a society, the lower the birth rate is and the more likely they are to be able to have jobs and the economy to grow because they're building something that's not just having children. Yeah, yeah. Then there's just something that I found hilarious because it's so obvious. But um, yeah, Julia McQuillan also found that distress over not having children is something that women only experience if motherhood is meaningful or important to them. Voluntary child for women feel little distress over their decision, regardless of what their family or friends think about the choice. Well, of course not. We don't like, feel distress over the decision. We feel distress over the constant nagging about having a child. Yeah. Yeah, and of course I'm distressed about, I mean, women are distressed. Women who want children and can't have children are distressed about it. But Absolutely. Women, women who want a certain career and don't get it are also distressed about it. You know what I mean? It's like I'm, I'm sure. distressed about not getting what I want in life. Yes. No matter what it is. So it's not just, I think we talk about this issue as if it's something so like singular, you know, like something completely different than anything else. Oh, um, yeah. Like the distress women experience when they want children, don't have children. It's something that they experience in any other aspect of their lives too, when they don't like when their lives don't turn out the way they think they yeah, will. Yeah. I mean, it's, not, and then also they're inherently, they, there's this like innate desire to be a mother. If they want to be a mother, great. Yeah. And then it, there's stress about, there just there is distress about not having kids if they don't have this biological drive to have um, have children then there's not going to be any stress about not having kids <laughs> yeah i just found it hilarious that you have to that you have to explicitly say that women who don't want to have children don't feel distress over the fact that you don't have children yeah. <laughs> no shit <laughs> yeah so and then one thing they oh yeah and then there's one quote that i which is also awesome it's uh, rather than assume that women without children are missing something society should benefit from valuing a variety of paths for adult women to have satisfying lives oh really yeah i mean it's just groundbreaking and it's sad that this is still that those things still need to be said oh sure that's the sad thing about sure that. yeah and then one thing that uh, you already, I think, mentioned was the whole selfishness uh-huh. argument, argument. Yeah. Which is just so ridiculous. So a lot of people say that not having children is selfish because then you have all your time to do things that you like to do or for your career or to enjoy your life or whatever. And that's apparently selfish. Now, I don't, I've never understood it. It's so ridiculous because I think a lot of, I mean, what is 
listen, I could, you could just put, you, you could just turn this around so easily and say, isn't it much more selfish to want to birth children or have children just to have like little teeny tiny versions of yourself that kind of um, continue your genes because you think it's a gift to the world that there are sure i mean we could, uh, both sides can 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 try and claim this selfish Absolutely. argument but all that does you know what all that does is it it, it pits women against women yes 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 <laughs> yeah and all wanna... that does is is kind of distract from the issue that like society is telling us that we need to have children if mm. we choose not to have children that is a choice and if you mm. want to say that's selfish Fine, go ahead. I have yeah. no problems with my own decisions. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I didn't say that because I want. No, to, no, I know. Um, support the argument. I just wanted to show how stupid it is that, and and you know, it's something that comes up a lot when conversations with people is that they say that I'm selfish because I don't want to have children. And I just wanted to kind of show that you could just turn this around and say, no, you're selfish. And then you have two people screaming screaming at each other that they're selfish, which doesn't make you know, which doesn't help anyone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the name yeah. calling is, is totally pointless. And all it does is it's like an ad hominem attack that doesn't address the real issues of why you're choosing not to have children, which it's mm-hmm. a totally mm-hmm. personal choice. And why are you questioning my personal choice? Yeah. And I think even if you don't follow celebrity news or anything, but I think the way we treat celebrity women is very often a good indicator of how we think about certain topics in society. Fucking Jennifer Aniston. Leave that fucking woman alone. <laughs> Leave that fucking woman alone. Yeah. I don't know if you've, I mean, you've probably noticed that she is, Jennifer Aniston is child-free. Good for her. <laughs> I mean, let her do what she wants, right? And she's she just keeps getting asked by interviewers whether she wants to have children, whether she wants to remain childless or child-free or, you know, whatever choice of words those people usually didn't have. Usually they say childless and not child-free, you know, and, and just keep nagging and asking about whether she wants to have children and when she wants to have children. It's horrible. So uh, if you Google famous women who don't have children, uh, you will find a Huffington mm. Post article. We'll link to it. Of course, it mentions uh, Jennifer Aniston, but let me mention a couple of others to you. Helen Mirren, Mm. also an amazing actress, chose not to have kids. I didn't know that. Totally fine. Mm. Aisha Tyler. Just Helen Mirren is already postmenopausal, so she is not annoyed that much. No, fuck her. I mean, she doesn't care. Fuck it. Uh, so Aisha Tyler, uh, she's a comedian. Mm. She uh, does not have children. She's okay with that. Mm. Portia de Rossi, Ellen mm. DeGeneres's uh, partner. And then also Portia uh, also- Ellen DeGeneres. Exactly. Both of them don't have children. <laughs> yes. Uh, Ashley Judd, mm. another actress, mm. doesn't have children. Totally fine mm. with it. Mm. Rashida Jones. Mm. Okay. Also, Margaret Cho. Oh, God, I love her. <laughs> Um, uh, Betty White. Okay. Uh, I think Zoe Deschanel has actually in, she was listed here, but I think in the interim, she's actually had kids. I feel Uh, like, I feel Mm -hmm. like maybe. And Mm -hmm. lastly, Cameron Diaz. I didn't know that either. Why is no one bothering her? And everybody No one bothers her. Nobody bothers Betty White about it. Betty White is like 90 something years old, doesn't have kids. And and you know what she does have? She does a lot with animal rescue because Mm. she loves animals. 
see that proves the stereotype. I I aspire to be like <laughs> Betty White. Oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> giving zero fucks about what people think about mm. me. Yeah, and rescuing animals. That's a good. That's a good thing to do with your life. Such life a good goals. thing. Mm. I didn't know that Cameron. D- I mean, I did know that Cameron Diaz didn't have children. I didn't. But what I find interesting is that she's never asked. I did you ever? read an interview with her where she was kind of bothered by an interview about not having children because that's it's something that are possible yeah. i don't know but somehow jennifer anderson is the woman that everybody just keeps harassing about it yes and now she's married to uh cameron diaz is married to benji madden from good charlotte the band oh, good charlotte God. yeah <laughs> but like Why? he's yo- he's <laughs> younger than her he's 39 and yeah, I mean, whatever. You do you. You do you, Cameron. <laughs> I just, I mean, I'm looking at pictures of them now and I'm like, what? Why? But, you know, whatever. Yeah, there are a lot of child-free women and there are a lot of women who probably in the past, uh, and I'll talk about this in a little bit, uh, probably didn't actually want to have children, but they didn't have an option. So they were just yes. terrible mothers. Lucretia Borgia, I'm looking at you. Mm. Who is that? The Borgias? You don't know who the Borgias are? The Borgias? They're like an Italian the Italian family from the um, early modern medieval period, uh, early modern, which is Renaissance time, uh, who like her, I think she had an uncle who was Pope and the Borgias in Italy. You know, I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. Well, th- there are several TV shows about the Borgias. They were super ruthless uh, and they controlled a lot of Italy. Okay. Well... You know, I don't know. And Lucretia Borgia is often held up as this, like, super, like, both a femme fatale and, like, a really evil uh, woman because she had, uh, she ruled this family and she got people killed. I mean, Mm. she killed people. Okay. And she was a mother. Another good one. And she was a mother. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Probably should not have been one. mm, Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. And you also, I mean... Now, stepping away from, <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to find a segue into our next uh, segment. There's no segue into the next segment. <laughs> like, now, now we step away from what happened in the Middle Ages in Italy. Uh, <laughs> and no, we'll talk about uh, what happened in 2010 in America. <laughs> yeah. So um, let's talk about statistics. Mm, yeah. Um, that's a good segue. So, let's, yeah. just, let's talk about statistics. Yeah. yeah so. We do a census every 10 years in the United States. 2010 was our last census. Uh, 20, we do little surveys in between, but like we do one big census every 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so according to the Pew Research Center, who kind of went through a lot of the statistical data and did some, some research on their own, the share of American women in their mid-40s who are without biological children is actually at its lowest point in 40 years. Mm-hmm. So in, in 2013, we had this like, oh, this scare thing from Time magazine that says, oh, women are choosing not to have children. Oh, no, people are choosing not to have kids. And now oh, in, in 2014, we have research that says, oh, actually, um, in, in 2014, 15% of women age 40 to 44 had not given birth to any children. And that that was down from 20% in 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was similar to what the rate of childlessness in 1994. Mm-hmm. So 
there are fewer childless women now than in their 40s. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we can talk about a lot of things. It could be that uh, fertility treatments have made it possible for women who wanted to have children to have children. We've made a lot of advances in fertility treatments in the last 10 years. It could be a number of things. But let's talk about how they actually relate to the child-free movement. The data doesn't take into account issues with women's and men's fertility. It also only focuses on folks who have actually given birth, not those who chose to adopt. So not all of these women are actually choosing to be child-free. One footnote in the report suggests that, quote, among childless women ages 40 to 44, about 13% report that they are still planning on having a child which with advances in in fertility treatment, you can do that. Um, Mm -hmm. And again, they're only talking about biological children. They're not talking about adoptions at all. Okay. Well, the rest are equally likely to report that they are either childless by choice or or involuntarily childless. So that means basically 13% of women 40 to 44 are childless by choice or are involuntarily childless because of fertility Mm -hmm. issues. And we don't actually have any statistics that tell us how many of these women are choosing to be child three. But honestly, 13% is not an epidemic. No, no. 13% of 40-year-olds is not an epidemic. I mean, not, not really. <laughs> it could be worse. Yeah. Choosing to be child-free, not wanting to have kids is something very different than wanting to have those kids and putting it off until one is more advanced in their career, but unable to do so because of of fertility issues. According to a 2009 study at Ohio State University, sociologist Sarah Hayford said that about 67% of women decide as teenagers to have two children, and they roughly stick with that plan. Another smaller group starts out wanting three or more kids and ends up having more than the average of two. And another segment starts out wanting two, but they end up with fewer. And those are those who are on the fence and ultimately decide not to have children make up about 4% of the population. Mm-hmm. Four. Mm-hmm. I, find it, I find it just fascinating that um, all of the studies just focus on biological children, which is which oh, just yeah. opens up a whole nother issue. Because why is it the case that apparently only biological children are kind of regarded as like real children or, you know? Well, and only biological mothers are quote unquote mm-hmm. real mothers. I mean, that's this like is a total marginalization of yeah. people who choose to have children via adoption mm-hmm. and, and their status as mothers and the children's status as the children of those mm-hmm. mothers. Yeah. So- Dr. Hafer said he was specifically looking at the evolution of fertility expectations and how our desires for children change over time. But this 4% number is really significantly different from the 13% when we combine combine the childless by choice and the involuntarily childlessness. I mean, if if that 13% is really only 4%, <laughs> okay. Really, it's 9% that are involuntarily childless of 40-year-olds, mm-hmm. uh, but only 4% are, you know, childless by choice. So it's not really an epidemic at all. Uh, Maybe not. No, but t- Time Magazine wants to scare you into thinking that it's an epidemic. So what does that mean? I mean, what is that telling yeah. us? Do we do we have an issue with a, a declining birth rate? Europe certainly does. Uh, the United States does among certain populations. That causes problems for the social welfare system because you need to have younger people paying into that system. So, yes, there are cascading problems with having a declining birth rate. But 4%, that's not it. Nope. So her study draws on other research that also shows that, quote, at the high end of the education scale, 
women tend to have smaller families. And, and you mentioned this. The hypothesis is that highly educated, educated women may find their work more personally fulfilling than oh, women really? with less education. Oh, do you think so? I know. They may rely less on children as a way of providing their own identity. Yeah. Well, actually, Wikipedia says <laughs> among women aged 35 to 44, the chance of being childless was far greater for never married women than for ever married when the same group is analyzed by education level, increasing education correlates with increasing childlessness. Not high school graduate, 13.5%. High school graduate, 14.3%. Some college, no degree, 24.7%. Associate degree, 11.4%. Bachelor's degree, 18.2%. And graduate or professional degree, 27.6%. So, I mean, that, I mean, that makes perfect sense. No surprises there. Yeah, no. Finally, so the data that Hayford was looking at was a longitudinal study of women who were between 14 and 22 in 1979. Mm -hmm. So this means that these women were late boomers and early Gen Xers, once again, pointing to the fact that this is not a new concern among women. And this is not just an issue of millennials being selfish and disrupting our, the way that we look at, at yeah. fertility and, and having children. And also, if, if you really think that people are selfish, why? I mean, actually, in theory, adopting a child would be the most, the least selfish thing to do, right? Yeah, sure. So why don't you just advertise that instead yeah. of advertising having biological children? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, the child-free movement is all about no kids, period. So, or people who choose to be child-free are like, I'm child-free because I want freedom. Uh, mm -hmm. So, Yeah. I mean, given that oral contraceptives were first approved for use in the United States in the 60s, it's really not surprising that women subsequent to this would feel that they were capable, capable of taking control of their fertility. You know, mm -hmm. that, and we talked about this earlier. If you can choose not to have a child, if you have control over whether or not you have a child, even if you even if you don't believe in abortion, even if you don't want to have an abortion, if you can take the pill and choose not to have children, I mean, that mm -hmm. has a huge impact on your ability to go to college, to get an education, to have a job. Yeah. Yep. So in Kazan's Atlantic article that I mentioned uh, at the beginning of the episode, she quotes Amy Blackstone, a sociologist at the University of Maine, who states that, quote, there are not many people who early on say, I definitely don't want kids. Kazan states that even the childless are more likely to start out unsure or unassuming that they will have kids. It's only over a time that they decide against it. I would say that this is part of this kind of Judeo-Christian bias that constantly leads us back to defining norms of society. And the defining norm is that you should want to have children. Mm -hmm. We have statistics that say that the average family has 2.1 kids and birth rates, as I said, are declining throughout Europe and the United States. And this causes a whole host of problems. But that's the story, perhaps, for another episode. <laughs> yeah. For the sake of talking about the choice not to have children, this is a clear sign that many of these women are choosing to reject the dominant narrative that has been placed on them, that they must have children, that this is a biological and moral imperative. Mm -hmm. Moreover, Kazan points out that the main reason that women cite for not having children, according to analysis from studies in the 80s and 90s, is the desire for freedom. And honestly, this isn't just a factor for women. Both men and women are choosing not to have children because they want to focus on their careers, yeah. because they want to experience the world, go mm -hmm. on vacations, because they don't want to have to make sacrifices. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, for me, it's not just about, because you said freedom, the child-free movement is about freedom. I think it's not just about freedom. For me, it's also a question of what 
talents do I have? What can I give back in a sense, you know? And I know that I wouldn't be a good mother. So I think I could, I can serve society in other ways and much better than by having children, because I wouldn't be good at that. I would be a horrible mother because I don't like children. I sure. I don't want to be around them. I don't want to have anything to do with them. So why should I be a mother? And I can, but I can do other things. You know, I can be an activist. I can be a writer. Yeah. I can do other shit that also maybe helps other people, you know? Sure. I mean, what's your vocation? Like, what are you called to do? What do you think your talents, yeah. where are your talents best served? And yeah. it may be that they're not, you, you know, your talents are not best used Mm-hmm. having children and that's fine yeah and it's a problem when we assume that that's what you have to do because then you as we said might just be shitty at it and there are we don't need more shitty parents no we don't <laughs> one uh, final thing that i thought was interesting about kazan's article is that she points out the work of lonnie arson and stephanie altman two research at two researchers at Queen's University in Ontario who've come up with an explanation as to why folks who don't want children haven't simply been eliminated by the gene pool, right? I mean, if you don't want kids and it's a genetic (laughs) thing that is leading you, a biological Mm. thing that is leading you not to want to have children, if you don't have children, then theoretically that gene doesn't get passed on. Well, but you need people to do other shit too. And you need people to, that that are able to care for children when the parents die. Um, But basically uh, these two researchers argue that we had no choice in the past. There may have been women who didn't want to have children, but who whose only means of making an impact on the world was through their children. And if you think about the early modern period, the medieval period, again, looking at Lucretia Borgia, she had to have children in order to maintain her power. If she didn't need to have children to maintain her power, and she could have done it another way, if she had more political capital as a woman in Renaissance Italy, then mm-hmm. maybe she would have done it another mm-hmm. way. But instead, the mm-hmm. best way to exert power was through her family, through her children. So- Yeah. What Arson and Altman argue is that these women who didn't want kids but eventually had them, quote, might have passed down a weak parenting drive that essentially lay dormant until the modern age. And that now women have more rights and opportunities. The descendants of these reluctant mothers are foregoing making babies in order to make art, write books, start nonprofits and businesses, and pursue other non-kid accomplishments. Hmm. So biology and feminism may intersect here in an interesting way. And this is exactly the point you were Mm. making. Like, Mm. you have other things that you want to do besides have children that are making more of an impact than having Mm. a child would. In my case, yes, because, I mean, I mean, I would make an impact as a mother, I'm sure of it, but it wouldn't be a good impact. (laughs) My children would hate me. (laughs) And I would hate them, so maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. We also already talked like in the very beginning, we already talked about like child freedom and feminism and what they have to do with each other. And yeah, we don't think that being child free is the best way to be a feminist um, at all. So that's not our point here. No, it's a way to Um, express your feminism, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah. The point of feminism is for women to make their own choices and child freedom is one of those choices. And yeah. So Liz, um, you already... In the beginning, you already talked about the child-free movement as a movement or whether yeah. it is a movement. And actually, as I said, I think there have always been women who didn't have children and always been sure. people who didn't have children, who chose not to have children or who couldn't have children or for whatever reasons didn't have children. So it's it's probably wrong to say that the, chi- well, that the child-free movement started in the 1970s. But in the 1970s, we saw that this kind of grassroots movement that, you know, the people started organizing and they're like, 
organizations came into being. And actually in America, there are two very notable child-free organizations uh, that were established during the 1970s. And there's one that's called No Kidding, which calls itself an international social social club for adult couples and singles who have never had children. And then there's the National Organization for Non-Parents, which then was renamed as National Alliance for Optional Parenthood. So the National Organization for Non-Parents was founded in California by Ellen Peck and Shirley Raddle in 1972. And it was formed to advance the notion that people could choose not to have children to be child-free. And then it changed its name into the National Alliance for Optional Parenthood. It continued into the early 1980s, both as a support group for those making the decision to be child-free and as an advocacy group fighting pronatalism, so attitudes and advertising, etc., promoting or glorifying parenthood. And according to its bylaws, the purpose of the National Alliance for Optional Parenthood was to educate the public on non-parenthood as a valid lifestyle option, supporting those who choose not to have children, promote awareness of the overpopulation problem and assist other groups that advance the goals of the organization. And yeah, there are, you know, in the 70s, groups started organizing that were campaigning against pro-natalist policies, such as the banning of abortions, for example. So. Ireland, for example, and I could ma- name many, many more countries. And actually, I think most countries have very pro-natalist um, policies. Oh, definitely. Which doesn't mean that they are very friendly to women who have children, but to having children itself. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, and a good example for that is Ireland, uh, because their anti-abortion stance comes mainly from, well, mainly from immense pressure emanating from the Roman Catholic Church. And they, of course, still exercise a very strong influence on on the government. And as such, the government maintains very strict abortion laws with anyone caught getting an an abortion being heavily penalized unless it's absolutely required to save women's lives. And we talked about abortion in the episode about women's rights in America and in the the episode about women's rights in Austria Mm -hmm. and in Austria abortion is still not technically legal and it's still very difficult to get one and it's still very expensive. So that's also a very pro-natalist stance, of course, and also a misogynistic one, both of those things at the same time. You know, it's interesting because I don't have kids, I am somewhat resentful of policies that only benefit people who do have children. (laughs) Um, So, uh, you know, I'm I'm all for paying taxes to for for public education uh, because I think public education is a communal good Absolutely. and it's you know yeah. it it benefits everybody. Where I live right now, the public education system is in shambles mm-hmm. and the state has had to take it over because they mismanaged their money. So mm-hmm. nobody wants to move here because our schools are terrible, which also means that our housing housing prices decrease. Mm-hmm. So you know yeah, yeah. It, it's it's terrible. Um, but there are other things like giving people a tax break because they had chil- have children mm-hmm. or, you know, things like that. When, when I hear about a restaurant who is a child-free restaurant, I am super excited oh, to God, go there. Yes. I am super excited to, to visit that place and not have to hear screaming children. Yes. I'm totally freaking for it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm not 
immune <laughs> to the screams of children. Mm-hmm. Uh, they bother me. I know that a lot of parents, once they hear the screams of children, uh, they can totally tune it out. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. It's really like upsetting to me. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't want that to be a part of uh, my day to day or having children running around. My mother, if I had done that in a restaurant, my mother would have forced the entire family to leave and made me feel bad for it because I was the one who made everybody leave. So I sat quietly at the table and did my thing. I don't, you know, that's just, that's just my thing. So I want to go to a restaurant. I'm not sure whether that was a criticism of your mom now. No, it's it's a little of both, you know, whatever. (laughs) Let's not talk about it. A little guilt goes a long way. I'm Mm -hmm. fine with it. It's good. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, I don't, I don't have kids. I don't want kids. I don't want to be surrounded by kids. If I choose to hang out with with friends who have children um, at like, children's birthday parties or whatever. I'm there because I'm in support of the parent, uh, not because I want to spend time with the children. Mm-hmm. Um, so those type, you know, policies that are, I, I don't want to say anti-natalist, but like pro single, pro non-parent yeah. mm-hmm. are few and far between. And yeah. I know that there are a lot of places like Germany uh, and Austria and and other places in the, in the EU that have declining birth rates that have really gone the way of pro-natalist policies of giving like mm-hmm. extra um, time off for childcare, um, being much more flexible. I think those are great because women deserve to have, uh, to be able to recover from, from the trauma of having a child. Yes. But as a person who doesn't have children, you know, that's not something that I'll ever take advantage of. Yeah. Yeah. So. Also what I'm thinking about is planes, screaming oh. children on planes. If, if, if someone advertised a child-free transatlantic flight, I'd pay more money for that just to know people that were children. Oh my gosh, I would pay so much money <laughs> oh for that. I would pay so much yeah. money for that, mm. so much. You know, the thing is, at least in Austria, it is, I, I feel like people consider it a character flaw if you're not child-friendly, you know? When there are people oh, yeah. just running around screaming in a restaurant and I'm annoyed by it. I'm the bad person, you know? Oh, my husband. <laughs> we were in a restaurant that was kind of open and very echoey. Mm-hmm. And the people at the table next to us had this child that was screaming. And the parents and the grandparent were encouraging the child to scream. They were playing this screaming game. Right. And so it was just this child screaming, echoing in this restaurant. And so my husband said something. Mm. He was like, you know, there's a table outside. Why don't you sit outside if, you're gonna, if your child's going to scream? Mm-hmm. He got the dirtiest looks. And I was like, this yeah. is bullshit like don't you know don't encourage your children to act badly in public and then expect Mm. everybody else to just fawn over your child yeah because they're children and they yeah yeah Yeah. there is a documentary coming out about being child free so the documentary itself is called my so-called selfish life uh and it's a film by Teresa schechter about not having children in a culture where motherhood feels mandatory Mm. Uh, she kickstarted the initial funding for the film, and the film chronicles the rise of a growing community of women who don't want children and who reject the message that a woman's most important and most natural role is to be a mother. Oh my God, we need to do an interview with her. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. Therese, Therese, <laughs> if you hear this, give us a call. She who persisted podcast at gmail.com, write us. Also, Cameron Diaz. Write <laughs> yes. <us too>. yes. <laughs> 
So on her website about the film, she explains that, quote, almost half of American women between 15 and 44 have never had children, according to 2014 statistics, an all-time high. Yet choosing not to have children is still seen by many as a deviant decision made by the immoral, the unfeminine, and the selfish. Mm. So her film exposes the cultural, the powerful cultural, economic, and historical forces behind the message that a woman's only true identity and value is as a mother. Um, and some of the folks that she interviews for the film include a 19-year-old student determined to get her tubes tied, to so having a hysterectomy. Well, not a hysterectomy, but yeah. The founder of a child-free LGBT seniors community, a 75-year-old child-free activist who was denounced after appearing on 60 Minutes, which is like a news program in the United States. And a rapper searching for a, quote, golden girl style family and a woman whose unsuccessful fertility treatments led to life transformation of not having children. When is it coming out? She's still filming it right now. She's working on the film mm -hmm. right now and mm -hmm. she's doing interviews for it. I mean, we could reach out to her. We should reach out to her and we should do an episode about it because this sounds amazing. And it sounds like a lot of things that we talked about yeah. today. So if you if you want to find out more about the film or supporting her, you can check out her website, which is myselfishlife.com. But I want to focus on a specific woman she chooses to look at in her film, uh, which is the 19-year-old woman who is determined to surgically get her tubes tied. Because it's crazy how many people treat you when you choose to do something with your uterus other than having a baby. So for example, I know, <laughs> well, yeah. I have a friend who had cysts that were causing her significant pain, terrible periods, but she thought it was just normal for her entire life. She thought that this was just how periods yeah. were. This was totally normal, whatever. It's not. She ended up having, if I remember correctly, a melon-sized cluster of cysts mm -hmm. and her options were limited. She ended up at the age of 39 having a hysterectomy. And at every step in the process, people kept asking her if she was sure this is what she wanted to do and that she would regret Ugh. it because she wouldn't be able to have kids. So here's the thing. My friend's a biologist. She has a PhD in <laughs> biology. Yeah. She had done so much research on her options and even the best methods yeah. for having her hysterectomy. She didn't make this decision lightly, but she knew that she was doing the best thing for her, for her body, for her health. And yet the only yeah. people, only thing people could focus on was the fact that she was going to lose her ability to have children, as though she would lose her identity as a woman as soon as she removed her uterus. Mm -hmm. She just, I mean, she just wanted to be healthy. She just wanted to not be in pain anymore. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And yet everybody kept asking her, oh, you're so young. Are you sure you want to do this? Don't you want to, you could, you could freeze your eggs and, and maybe have, have children by surrogate later. Mm -hmm. But that was it. That's all that they focused hard. on. Not the fact yeah. that she was in excruciating pain, not the fact that she yeah. needed the surgery. Mm -hmm. Increasingly, women are making the choice <clears throat> not to pass on genetic problems to their children. They've decided they yeah. wouldn't be good parents. They think it would be selfish for them to bring children into the world. Yeah. They aren't yeah. judging other women, but they're making a choice about their own lives and their own futures and the futures of these potential children who they're concerned might have mm -hmm. physical or mental um, issues that they might pass on to them. Yeah. So stop judging people. You don't know their story. Yeah, absolutely not. And also, um, go back to the episodes we did about uh, childbirth and um, and pregnancy and all of that when we still had Heather on board because she is the mother of the group. She's she she is a mother, and she had so many valuable things to say about this, and also so many things that I didn't know about because I never had a child. So, I think to kind of round up what we 
talked about today, you should also listen to that if you haven't yet. Yeah. And one last thing. We've mm-hmm. been talking mostly about women with uteruses. <laughs> there are plenty mm-hmm. of women who don't have uteruses. There are women who who can't actually have biological children of their own. Yeah. And the only way that they can have children is through surrogacy, through adoption. And that's totally fine. And if they yeah. also choose not to have kids, that's fine too. That's fine too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're so accepting. <laughs> I mean, we're such good people. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that I'm that great of a person, but you know, we try. It was a joke. <laughs> it was a joke. Um, yeah. Do whatever you want with yeah. your body. Seriously. Seriously. Don't, let, don't let the models get yeah. you down. also do you want to add anything about child freedom do you want to add anything more about child freedom i think one thing that i want to add is that i think we should start trusting women with their decisions not you know not just accepting people's choices but also trusting women to make choices about their own bodies and yeah, their lives. I, I agree. I mean, this it's, it isn't just about uh, accepting that people are making choices, but a lot of it is this misogyny that says that women can't be trusted to make decisions about their bodies. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think you're right. I think we Absolutely. need to get away from that. And a lot of men don't want to have children either. And if they find a woman who also doesn't want to have children, they're probably perfectly matched and just let them be people. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Okay. Now, that's just one thing I'd like to add, which doesn't have anything to do with having children or not having children. If you've listened to our episode about Austria, you've also heard that we have a new government that is not particularly friendly to feminist or queer organizations or feminist or queer media. And there are a lot of feminist and queer media and organizations that run the risk of being defunded at the moment in Austria. And this is one thing that also will happen to the most important feminist magazine in Austria, which is called Anschläger. So for all of for all of the listeners now, for all of you who speak German, um, there is a crowdfunding campaign right now going on for Anschläger. And also they are actively looking for people who get subscriptions to the magazines because this is the only way that the magazine will be able to continue and will be able to keep up their amazing work. And it's really, really an amazing magazine. I've also written for it in the past. They give, they've given a shout out for us in the magazine, which also was very, very nice. And they do a lot of important feminist like feminist journalistic work in Austria, I think. And it would be such a shame if especially in times like these, we lose that important voice or that yes. you know, selection of voices. So if you like feminist journalism, which I suppose you do because you listen to this podcast, and if you speak German, then go to anschläge.at, so www.anschläge, A-N-S-C-H-L-A-E-G-E.at, and get a subscription. They need 600-something subscriptions in order to be able to continue their work. So if you are in Austria, if you speak German, please do that. Yeah, we have a, there's a lot of feminist media in the United States. Most of the fem, media in the United States is privately run or by nonprofits as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is the case with Anschläge as well. So if you can support yeah. them, if you are interested in supporting yeah. them, I would definitely encourage it. Yeah. 
go to their webpage. I'm also going to post it in the show notes and on our Facebook, I think. Go to the webpage, make a subscription, also give a subscription as a birthday present to your mom and your sister and your grandmom so that we can make sure that Austria will also have feminist media in the future because we really need that. Yeah. All right. Great. Well, do, what's our lesson? Don't tell people what to do with the genitals. <laughs> Just never do that. Or with the reproductive organs or with any part of the body. It's not your fucking business. Thank you. Also, if you are a child, if you are a child, don't get in contact with us. <laughs> We're not interested in well, talking to Well, I mean, you, okay? I'll... Stop calling. If you're a child who does, who, who, if you're a kid who knows that you don't want to have kids in the future, there's nothing wrong with you. There's no, <laughs> there is. If you're a child who wants to have children in the future, there's also sure, nothing wrong with you. Sure, but society is going to accept that. But if people keep telling you, you're That's always going to want to have children, move on. Yeah. Do what you want with your body. Let others do what they want with their bodies. You know, live and let live. And stay nasty. Stay nasty. Bye. Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.